Welcome to Legacy Therapy, the podcast that will teach you, in bite-sized chunks, how to leave a stress-free legacy so loved ones can focus on people, not paperwork, when you become ill or pass away. Here is your host and financial advocate, Stacey golden Lisnock. Welcome to the 17th episode of Legacy Therapy, Planning Techniques for a Stress-Free Legacy. This is Stacy Golden-Lisnock, your financial advocate, and we have another session today, which we'll be learning some really important things regarding the loss of pets. I have a good friend of mine on today, Nancy Gordon, and just to tell you a little bit about Nancy, she's specializing in navigating anticipatory grief human and pet loss, and transforming the grief that follows. Nancy is, a, is passionate about helping pet parents in process of making the gut-wrenching decision to lifting up instead of putting down your pet by creating and carrying out a beautiful healing plan that eases the trauma of parting for both pet parents and their pets. She is a transformational loss and grief specialist dealing with both human and pet loss. And I want to mention at the, at the outset here that she does have a documentary that Animal Planet did on her and, and her uh, service dog, Toaster. So you can um, watch that and she'll be telling you a little bit about that. You can get it from her website. So without further ado, welcome, Nancy. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I've been looking forward to our to our chat because I'm the new mommy of a, a min pin. So she just oh. turned a year a year old and we're just like so in love with this little dog. And I said, it's so different when you're not raising kids when you have a, a pet. Because when we were raising kids and we always had pets, I never had that kind of time to devote to the pet. It was just sort of like, ah, eh, take him for a walk and let him out and feed him and pick up the poop. <laughs> Yeah. Now it's a whole different story. So I yeah. want to, I want to hear your story because yours is even a, more of a, like a love story with the, with the animals. And it's super, super, gr you know, the grief of losing your animal is just as deep as losing a, a person on some level. So take it away. It certainly is. Well, I um, had a car accident, which I ended up on disability as a result of. And about a year after I closed my private practice as a psychotherapist, I discovered this rare breed dog called the Mexican hairless. And I, at that time, um, was using a heating pad, like a microwave heating pad 24 seven. And I learned about this breed from the ancient Aztecs that went back about 3,500 years ago, who were used as spiritual mystical healing dogs and especially for the heat that emanated from their hairless bodies when your skin when they were placed on your skin so i when i discovered this i decided to um get one of these toy sized dogs put her around my neck and call her toaster and i got rid of my 24 7 microwave neck wrap so she's my she became my 24 7 no microwave hot dog <laughs> And then um, she really kind of transformed my whole experience and path about losing my whole life as I knew it as a result of this car accident and then rebuilding, reinventing um, another pathway in which I could continue to help other people um, just differently. 
So Animal Planet, um, when Toaster was about three, she had a litter and they'd learned about um, my use of her and the history with the Sholos. And so they uh, filmed her pregnancy and her whelping. And it was an amazing experience. Yeah, I got a chance to watch it. It was it was very good. If, if the listeners have a, have a chance, and even if they can't remember exactly, um, I think I googled Animal Planet. Uh, I think I might have said Toaster or something, mm-hmm. and it came up. It was really yeah. easy to find. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's so it was so easy to find that uh, it aired so often for so many years that I got so like inundated with emails from people all over the world asking for my help to uh, to help them find a little toaster of their own. And so I ended up starting a nonprofit oh. called Sholos for Chronic Pain Relief, which is their breed name, Sholos. And um, I placed 18 dogs, 18 Sholos, with people with chronic pain over many years. Nice. Is that still is that still something you're actively doing or I still have the nonprofit. I'm not actively placing dogs anymore. I'm using the nonprofit more for education mm-hmm. training. Yeah. Well, my my little minpin, she's oh, she she's butts up against me and she is so hot. I always think of toaster because like she makes me so hot. <laughs> Yes, yes. A, a lot of dogs can emanate that heat. This particular mm-hmm. breed was hairless, so it was really pronounced. Yeah. Um, the, the heat factor and the heat benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, dogs, you know, especially their bellies can be pretty toasty. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Yeah. So she, so I, I saw a picture of it. And so she actually just come, you, you taught her how to just come and be like a wrap around your neck in the yeah. car and everything. I think I saw. Yes, she, it was her favorite place uh, to be and her safe place. So she, it was actually before I even got her, I had the person who was taking care of the litter start. Um, she just instantly did it. I mean, it's like she knew her purpose and she loved her purpose. This was her way of being of service. And, and most dogs really, really like to have a sense of purpose. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So then you went on to um, to breed her, I understand. Well, yeah, she well, she was bred and that's what Animal Planet filmed Mm -hmm. is her pregnancy and her whelping. And then uh, one of her puppies, she had four. One of her puppies um, had a bad knee, uh, discovered at age at six weeks old, and she ended up um, staying with me and Unfortunately, after a surgery to repair the knee, she became, uh, she broke the foot, her knee and, mm-hmm. and um, became, uh, it, it became a situation where she had to lose her leg. So I had to um, agree to an amputation of her hind leg. But then, so her name was Pink. Pink, um, she really, in many different ways than Toaster, they both helped me sort of reinvent myself and learn um, a lot of different ways um, to heal on many levels, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, not just their physical comfort. And when Pink became a three-legged dog, she, she was amazing. It was amazing to watch how quickly she adapted and how she just changed her whole 
identity and was was still a jo very joyful dog. So she really got me off the couch out of depression and um, taught me to like do what I used to do just differently. And I uh, wrote her book, her story, her true story in a children's book called Pink, the Three-Legged Dog Who Lost Her Leg and Found Her Courage. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Really great. And I know you had a career as a, as a, as a, um, psychotherapist, psychotherapist. Okay. So now you've kind of taken that same training and it's about grief. And yes. Well, well, really my whole, my whole work since, um, I ever, you know, started my practice in the, um, early eighties was about fundamentally about loss everything, whether it was a divorce or whether it was, you know, um, being an adult child of an alcoholic, the, the loss of the parent, the parenting, for example, um, in some of those situations, um, or chronic illness and disability, everything really comes back to loss. We can't escape it. In fact, we're actually born through it. You know, our first experience of loss is, is being born and you know kicked out of the womb and there we are our first loss and then you know it goes on from there so really um what i what i find is most helpful for people is to really for whatever challenge they're dealing with to really be able to go through loss and heal the grief that follows that's where really resolution for whatever situation it is comes from yeah. So in, in, um, you know, what the work that I'm doing in helping people to set up a stress-free legacy and, you know, techniques for that, um, you know, a lot, one section for sure revolves around pets and the fact that people are a little, I don't know what the word is, but they're not taking the fact that their pet needs a place to go like instantly if they should have an accident or they become ill and can't care for the pet any longer, or they should pass away. Um, and I was reading up a little bit where it, um, it mentioned that sometimes people are so attached to their pets that they won't even um, put themselves first and in, in that they won't go to the hospital or go to a rehab center or go to even a, 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 a shelter for, for victims um, of domestic abuse or something for fear that they'll be leaving the animal behind. So we have kind of like both extremes of people that won't even care for themselves and in and, and stay with their pet. And then you have the rest of us that haven't made arrangements for our pet if something should happen to us and, and we never know when that will be. So um, what, I'm, what I'm really recommending people do is they have those conversations with somebody. We've already talked to our daughter said, hey, you know, cause Coco's our dog that Minpin I was mentioning. It's like, if something happens to us, will you take a Coco? And she's like, she's like, yeah. So that's a very informal way, but I know there's more formal, formal ways around it. But, you know, if you could speak a little bit to what I, what I mentioned about like that whole, there's a whole range from, I'm not going to leave my pet and, and I'll actually sacrifice my own health to something happens to me now, now my dog or cat or whatever's animals fate is sort of left up in the air um, to whomever might step up or in most cases, I don't think people know they end up in the in the um, uh, shelters, and and many many don't make it out of the shelters because they're on, on almost all accounts they're older pets. They're not as cute as little puppies, mm -hmm. and there's just not the homes for them. So you talk on that a little bit. 
Yes, I, I'm. I think it's wonderful that you're incorporating that in the services and courses that you're providing because it is a um, an experience for both the animal and the family and whoever ends up maybe taking care of the pet. It's it's so critical for the healing process to begin before the the end really happens, and it's much less traumatic, even though some people have a hard time facing the loss or or doing facing the planning i'm sure you come across that with people they're just maybe resistant to like even dealing with it and again that goes back to you know as a culture we we are are just in the infancy stage really of acknowledging grief right and learning to you know deal with it and help people through it so the natural, you know, the natural uh, response is to deny that it's even there, that it's even a possibility. And as you point out that in situations where you have, let's say, a senior um, who uh, has had an animal with them for many, many years, and they go before the animal, which is, you know, does happen, it's more, more likely that the animals go before us. But they still go, sometimes the humans still go first. And I've encountered people who have not made any plan. The death is sudden, or maybe it's even expected, but no plan was made for the the animal. This could be a single person, you know, Mm -hmm. um, elderly person who passes on. And then there's no one to take, there's no family to take the pet. There's no daughter like you have to even ask. Right. to take the pet and no plan. And I I know f- from several people who work with seniors professionally as care managers, they've ended up having to take the, the pet mm. at times. Yeah. So it's really, really important. And it, it's really not so hard to do it, you know, to make a plan and just to acknowledge, okay, if this happens, who's going to, who's going to take Yeah. So I even uh, in just some research found that if you don't have somebody in your circle that actually can, because sometimes they, they already have enough animals or they have animals that won't tolerate other animals. I mean, there's so many, or they can't have them where they live or whatever. Somebody's allergic. There's so many um, barriers to entry, you might say for, for like a, somebody else's animal to come live with you. Um, There are, there are, I guess they're, I don't know if they're for profit or not profit, but you actually make arrangements in advance Mm -hmm. for them to take your animal. And of course you do pay uh, for them to do that. And so it's a way, it's almost like a, I guess it's like a foster system in a way, right? But they're never going to leave. They keep them and care for them like an orphanage, I guess. Yes. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know that, Stacey. So it's wonderful that you'll be sharing that, you know, resource for people Mm -hmm. to help make it easier for them to make a decision way ahead of time. Yeah. They don't have family. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so these, these pets, I mean, I've even heard of where the pets have a broken heart, like the pets go through a depression. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I um, had to lift up both Toaster and her daughter Pink um, within nine months of each other. Toaster was 17 years old um, and Pink was 14 years old. Hmm. And they had a mother daughter bond that was uh, just amazing, as you can imagine. That you know, Pink just 
loved her mother Toaster fiercely. And Toaster, you know, just smiled at her all the time. You can see it. And so when I had to lift Toaster up first, um, Pink went into a depression. We both did. I got pneumonia for three weeks and Pink and I stayed in bed, you know, grieving. That's, mm. you know, what ended up happening for me. It's like, I, I was just so overcome with grief. My immune system went down the rabbit hole, but uh, I watched Pink, you know, at first she was not even um, really as happy with me her, herself. She was kind of more aloof and isolating herself a little bit. And then gradually that got better. And, but animals do go through grief. Yeah. And especially if they're litter mates or related, you know, like Toaster and Pink were even more so sometimes. Yeah. Wow. So what can you um, recommend? Like what are the kinds of some of the things that you um, teach people around the grief and even for the human side of things? I mean, there's probably a few things you could Yes. Well, I think um, I was just working with somebody yesterday, actually, who um, has a cat that has become just very, you know, debilitated, dementia, um, and, and an angry fighter with her other cat. And the situation has just gotten really unwieldy, and nobody is happy in that household. And so she she was working with me about, you know, what to do. Cause she, you know, she said, you know, her cat is still eating, you know, she's not, she doesn't look like she's on her deathbed and yet she's suffering. And I said to her, you know, quality of life is a, is a part of the decision-making process for everyone. Um, and it really helped her to realize that, her other cat was suffering because the one cat who was really, you know, pretty, pretty ill in many, on many different levels. Um, and she was suffering because the cat was howling through the night. They weren't getting sleep. This has been going on for a long time. And it kind of helped her realize that um, her hanging on to her cat when there was an opportunity to, to really look at the quality of life and the cat was really not happy. The cat, the cat was suffering. And so um, I suggested that she make a plan and she make it into some sort of, you know, ritual, whatever that meant to her, a process, maybe even talking to the animal, to her cat. Um, and then feeling like there's more closure. I think that's a big piece of what brings healing before the, um, the passing happens. You know, whether it's natural passing or it's euthanasia with a pet, but closure is one of the most important pieces to healing. And if you can accomplish that, um, saying goodbye, in whatever ways that looks like, uh, it, it really eases the grief. Yeah, because the grief can be so debilitating too, like, right? Um, I always thought of, um, you know, losing a child is like the worst possible thing, but it could also debilitate you 
into not being able to function in a normal way. So that's why as a, as like a life insurance agent, when I was doing that, I was like, you know, you really should have your kids insured. And people were looking at, well, I don't want to make, you know, if my child died, I don't want to like make money on them. And I'm saying, you know, this might be the only way you can pay your bills because you may be an, unable to, especially if you're in a very technical or um, like if you're a surgeon or something like that, like you're going to go into surgery with, with like this deep you know, grief. Yeah. Deep grief. Right. Yes. And grief, you know, has a mind of mind and heart of its own. Mm -hmm. So it's never the same for everyone. And it's not even the same for the, for the same person with different losses. You know, you could lose your mother, which is a different experience than losing your father. And the grief, you know, takes on a whole different life and the timing of it, the process of it, and how much it affects or derails you is, you know, it's all dependent on every particular loss, which is why having um, a receptivity and understanding of the importance of doing the grief work really allows you to then navigate all different kinds of experiences that we all go through at one point or another in our life around loss. Yeah, I could see that. And, and especially like in living the whole idea of my purpose here is to like help people to find techniques to leaving a stress-free legacy. And I mean, even, even to the point of having somebody in line to take a pet would eliminate that stress on whomever is in charge of all your other things that they're having to take care of. Right. So not only your medical decisions, but um, I mean, it could happen where like your animal gets out because people don't realize they left the door open because they're not, you know, they're not right? That's not their house. And they're not really realizing the cat or the dog could have got out. So many things can happen right. um, that I think it could just compound on the, on the people left behind to handle things. So yes. as, as far as that goes, have you, um, I mean, I know this is a whole specialty thing, but um, as far as like arrange when people arrange for their pet to be um, cared for by someone else, any kind of um, specific kinds of ways, or do you, do you think just a verbal agreement is sufficient? Well, no, I think what you just tapped in on is, is the nuances, the variables that maybe the owner knows, but the new owner is not going to know. And so preparing the, for, for um, that event to happen where there, the owner may know certain things like, you know, my cat, you know, likes this kind of food and doesn't like this kind of food. And, um, you know, just whatever their routines are, um, is very helpful to help the pet, you know, navigate that really big change of losing their owner and going into having to establish a new relationship, perhaps with a family member that lives in another state that they don't even know. So, Yes, the more that they can explain, this is how my cat and I live together, my dog and I live together, or, um, or these are the things to look out for. You know, my my dog is is starting to have back problems, and you know, kind of a heads up on what to look for medically, uh, or acknowledge whatever's going on. Yeah. So like a pet, like a pet care plan. Yeah. And written out in advance. Yeah, and and then kind of reviewed like once a year or something, which is what I'm advocating for the whole, the whole process is like you get it done once and it's not like it's totally done forever. You have to revisit it because things do change. Everything changes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's a wonderful instruction. 
So tell us a little bit about the the works that you're doing now. The book you mentioned. Um, I don't think I I don't think I I said the title when when we first started, but if you can go through that again. Certainly. Um, my work, you know, as a result of all that I went through with my own um, recovery from that car accident, and I ended up closing my business. So that was, you know, a whole new experience in my life of not having a purpose. And I've known my purpose has always been to help other people. So the the journey that I went on, especially with Pink and watching how she dealt with her disability, um, I really kind of honed into what I consider seven practices that I did con consistently for whatever challenge I was facing that worked consistently. So I began writing about that and um, I now am, uh, am publishing a book called From Hurting to Healing, Pet Loss, or From Hurting to Healing from Chronic Illness or Disability, for example. And the subtitle is uh, Seven Powerful Practices to Manage Your Mind and Heal Your Heart. Because that's really the heart of my work is a lot of, uh, a lot of healing takes place on an emotional level, a mental level, and a spiritual level. And when I was going through my own recovery after the accident, that was the piece, the missing piece in the medical model. There was no really roadmap of how to, how to um, resolve, heal on those levels when your problem is physical. And especially when your problem like mine was invisible. So um, my chronic pain, which was fibromyalgia, um, there, there, nothing addressed that. And that's what really what started me on the path of helping other people figure that piece out too. Yeah, when you, um, when you realize how powerful like the mind is, when you, you've been a student of that, so it's pretty obvious to you that you can take what you've already learned and, and make it make it re re relatable, right? To something that you've also gone through so that you're super valuable in helping other people. Uh, they don't have to take quite so long to get on the road to recovery because it's possible, even though when you're in it, right? It might not feel possible. That, well, yes. O originally my title for the book was Seven Steps of Hope and Healing because that's what, when I was going through it, that's really what I found was missing was uh, the hope. You know, you have a, um, a chronic condition that renders you debilitated. Um, it's, it's very hard um, mm -hmm. to live your life on a daily basis dealing with that and dealing with the unpredictability of it and of symptoms in some cases was true with mine. And so uh, hope is a really, really important factor. And I changed the title because really... Um, the the hope comes out of managing your mind using your mind to to look at things differently to see the glass half full i have a i have a comic that um i got permission to use um for the book which is um a scene in where there's a two-legged human obviously two-legged human standing looking at this three-legged dog 
and there's a thought bubble. So the mm-hmm. thought bubble above the human is, oh, he only has three legs. And the thought bubble over the dog is, oh, she only has two legs. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of sums it up. Really, it's a how you look at it. That's it's right. It's how you look at it. So managing your mind and, and um, reframing your mindset is a really, really valuable way to grow through all these challenges instead of just suffer through them or survive them. And healing your heart then, of course, is the emotional and spiritual work. Right. And the, um, the whole thing in, in my, from my perspective of getting people motivated to do the, the work ahead of time and plan for like what really is going to be the inevitable for every one of us um, is getting, changing your mindset around it, right? Because exactly. in, yeah, in, the, in, the, in the early days when I was started doing life insurance and I was only in my 20s, people were afraid to talk about it. And they felt like if they discussed it, it it would happen. And I just thought, wow, that's so superstitious, but it's kind of like, doesn't follow because if that's the case, then we should be having all of these other things happen that we focus on that don't happen either. We spend a lot of time worrying about things that never happen, never come to be. So it's, it's all about actually being trained by somebody like you who knows better and can say, look, don't spend your time down here you know, kind of rise above it and you'll see there's a whole nother perspective. Yes. That that really serves you much better. Yes, absolutely. And, and I think dealing, you know, helping people deal with loss, with facing loss and realizing that not only does it feel better, but you, you actually discover many, many gifts and blessings that that loss brings. And so then you can turn it into a positive experience instead of a traumatic experience that you have to kind of suppress or drink wine over, or, you know, lots of different ways that people yeah. handle not dealing with feelings. Absolutely. And I, I find that, um, that when people realize that they, that they can, well, if they ever realize that they can see things from a different point of view they, they lament, lament the waste of time that they the spent um, over things that aren't going to change. They already happened. And if you can find the silver lining in everything, then you just can live a much more productive life because you, you know, you're making, you're making that a life's lesson uh, that you, you got. So you might as well take it and use it like you did. I mean, you took some, you know, the lemons into lemonade thing and, and that whole, that whole thing. And it really is, I wish they did spend a little more time in, in general, in our, in our, just in the, in our society, whatever, helping people with the mental aspect of it. And obviously that hasn't been priority or we wouldn't have all these mentally ill people running around now. Um, And hopefully that'll change if they can start helping those people instead of you know, putting them in jail, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So there is, there is hope and there is a lot of benefit. There are real treasure chests mm-hmm. of gifts that come out of um, really facing yourself, facing the feelings, facing the loss and seeing at the, at the end of all of that, that, there's closure, there's resolution, there's uh, forgiveness. A lot of times is a big barrier. 
Um, and out of all that comes self-love and out of self-love comes an open heart and out of open heart comes, you know, a lot of love instead of grief and depression. Yeah. So how do you get people that are just stuck in their woe is me and that's just where they live? How does, how does one ever get to them to actually pry them to even open, open up to the possibility of a different existence? Is that, is that something they have to realize on their own or how, how can you? Oh, no, no. That's a lot of what my work is about is helping them um, see things differently by the questions that I ask, by the conversations that we wind up in. Um, and a lot of, a lot of my clients say to me, wow, I never thought of it that way. And just, it's amazing how much transformation can happen in the, in the split second like that, the shift of, wow, I never saw it that way. And then all this healing comes out and it doesn't necessarily even take very long. Right. And that's, you know, that's why I'm doing the show too. It's like, if you can get one little tiny bit of information that totally turns your world upside down in a good way. Um, then, you know, it's all been worth it because sometimes it really is just getting that little piece of information that makes all the difference in the world and realizing that your life can change and that your, you know, your depressed state due to a grief situation can improve. And that that could have been like, like you said, sometimes it ends up being like the turning point to something even greater, having had that relationship that no longer exists, but that's life, right? Life, we're born, we die. It's, it's just like the cycle and having had that relationship, whether it had been a really long, fruitful one or a very short, uh, sweet one, right? Because because sometimes it's just knowing the personality of that of that pet or that individual that stays with you. Like you, you never can get, you would never get rid of that. That always like, you know, their personality. I always find that so interesting with the pets because we've had over the, you know, the period of, of years, many, many different dogs and cats and stuff. And it's like, you think of each one and they each have their own little personality. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're all different. And they, um, I mean, the, the level of communication is so great, so much greater than most people think. Um, so if you can talk to your animals and um, have conversations you'd be amazed at how, how much they understand. And it makes all the difference in the world in terms of the relationship and the joy of that pet in living because their animals are pets because they are relationship oriented, just like humans are relationship oriented. And so the more that you can have a relationship and really honor that relationship, uh, the happier everybody is. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something that's um, unique. I mean, that that people animal relationship is very unique because you have you have the control over how they're going to end and what you do with children too. But then children grow up and they're their own people and they they, they expand their mind. It's almost like the animals you can train them, um, but you can also abuse them, and they're not going to you know there's it's just some sad situations, but I'm just saying that you, you can make that relationship as rich or as, as horrible as you choose to based on how you treat them, because they're really almost a mirror of, of how you are. If you're loving and kind, just like they say about those dogs that are the real nasty dogs that people don't allow you to have sometimes the, the pit bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it really, I believe is a, 
it's 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 how they're trained, right? Because you can have a really loving, sweet pit bull, or you can have a very yeah. vicious pit bull. Right, right. Just as true with humans, you know, how you've been parented mm-hmm. does shape a lot of your personality and your behavior and your life choices. And that's why people go into therapy for years dealing with family of origin issues, because they recognize at some point that how they grew up affected how they are now and they don't like how they are now they don't like their lives and so you know that's that's a core of therapy but right wow well this is great um i think i hope people have have understood get you know from listening to this today and just got a little bit of better understanding about the grief process especially um where we're talking about like the animals how the animals relate to the people and how the people the grieve over their animals and and of course, it's we're. I say we already know about people grieving people, but that's a whole nother thing too. That is, yes, I'd be happy to talk about that again another time. Yeah, it, yeah. It, and there are differences mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the grief with a pet and the grief with a human, and and pets now because they're just beginning to be recognized as a family member, as perhaps a child you know, the child role with a single person, for example. Um, but it, so human grief is a little farther along right. than pet pet loss. But, but bottom line, I think one of the biggest barriers that if people would just entertain the idea about that facing the loss and experiencing the grief, the crying, the depression, whatever, um, they're not going to stay stuck in it. I think that's one of the fears that if people that people have, if they let it in, it's going to overwhelm them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never going to go away. It's never, you know, it's just too much. So they don't, they put it in a box and they don't want to deal with it at all, but it's really actually the opposite. The more you deal with the feelings, whatever they are, grief, anger, depression, the the more uh, healing you have, the, the more change that, takes place and so many things in life are like that right it's like go in go into it and then your fear of it just dissipates right right so we we fear so many things and then if you actually and a lot of times you do have to get pushed Mm -hmm. um to do that but it but it's like wow i'm glad i did that with with resistance but i'm glad i did it yeah and that's that's a good example of one of the gifts and blessings of a loss Mm -hmm. is that that person ends up experiencing the freedom that to experience feelings is not a bad thing. It's actually a very good thing. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of that. Um, there's a show that came out and it was, um, uh, I can't think of the name right now, but anyway, it was the whole thing is like the deeper you're the, you have to have sadness to have joy. So if you don't allow yourself to be sad, you don't, you don't have great joy either. So there's that whole pendulum that you, if you, you need to experience all of it to be able to appreciate any of it. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think um, we're going to need to wrap it up, but I, um, I wanted to see if you have, you want to tell them about your website and how they can get your book and all that, just to kind of give that, we'll put it in the show notes as well, but go ahead and just tell them. And a lot of people probably driving or jogging or something, but Okay. Well, my website is nancygordonglobal.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-G-O-R-D-O-N-G-L-O-B-A-L, um, which um, 
conveys my hope that I reach the whole world and that we're all one. My uh, email is nancy at nancygordonglobal.com. And I'm happy to um, offer a 30 minute um, complimentary consultation to see how I might be of service and or send you in a different direction. And um, my books are on Amazon and on my website. Great. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. This has been really great. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of animals and part of this whole uh, emergency info file, this course that I've created, so um, got it together now, emergency info file, has a whole section on pets are property. Wonderful. People don't realize how, you know, that they have to make arrangements for them and it just goes beyond the fact that they have this animal and, and all that. So um, I encourage people to go to the website, gotittogethernow.com and take a look at the program. And I think that um, as a movement that I'm really advocating that once you understand that you can decide to leave a stress-free legacy for your family, um, or you can choose not to, it's up to you. And then that impacts their life once you're no longer here to actually see you know, the joy that you've created. And then also the chaos that you might've left where families don't speak to each other and there's lawsuits going on in probate court and all that. Yeah, job. and it, it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely and, not, and it's not that difficult. And in fact, I think a lot of people will realize once they do, you know, start the process of um, identifying what, what's going to happen with their pet, that they'll actually feel some relief. It might be easier for them to leave and to pass if they know that their loved animal is going to be taken care of. So that's another way to, you know, change the mindset. Right. That's right. So if you have any, if you know people who obviously um, not everybody's listening to the podcast, but if you know people that do have pets and you're like, you can broach the subject, say, Hey, I you should listen to this podcast. I heard that's how you have to start conversations with a lot of this particular kind of topic. It's like, mm -hmm. I heard this thing and I think it's going to, you know, help me. Maybe you should mm -hmm. take a look at it as well, because it's, it really is like a, a human thing. Like, humanly possible to make this better for the people left behind so like humans should maybe take yes. take a look at it yes and what a what a gift what a loving gift yeah absolutely remembered by absolutely well that's my motivation <laughs> people remember me in a good way so um i'm going to sign off now just uh remember to tune in um you know rate and like and tell your friends about us and all that and this is Stacy Golden Listnock. I'm your financial advocate and signing off until our next podcast. So have a good day and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Therapy Podcast. If we hit it out of the park today and you learned at least one new thing to take action on in your own quest to planning the best legacy possible, then be sure to tell your friends subscribe, and rate and review wherever you get your podcast. The show notes will provide the sites and information that were discussed today. You can get more great tips, resources, and inspiration by visiting our website, LegacyTherapyPodcast.com.